Hello, this is Joe Peters with In the Know of Joe. On this podcast, I try to feature various business owners from both Hunterdon and Somerset County to better understand how their business functions and serves the county. I was able to arrange to have Bob King, co-owner of Lone Eagle Brewing in Flemington, New Jersey, join us today to discuss how craft brewing works in New Jersey, how his business functions within those constraints, and how he, along with six other craft brewing establishments in Hunterdon County, were able to develop the Hunterdon Beer Trail. Please listen in. I think you'll find it of great interest. So hello, it's Joe Peters within the know of Joe, and I've got Bob King, who is the owner of Lone Eagle Brewery and the organizer of a whole bunch of interesting things. I'm going to let Bob introduce himself. First of all, thanks, Joe. Thanks for uh, taking the time and allowing me to come out and uh, have a few words with you and and your audience. uh, This is exciting for for me and us uh, as a brewery, as a business, and uh, me personally. So so thank you. Uh, My name is Bob King. I'm one of the co-owners of Lone Eagle Brewing. Lone Eagle Brewing is located on Stangle in Flemington, New Jersey. We've been here for about six and a half years. Um, give you a little bit of my background. Um, I started in the corporate world, graduated as an electrical engineer, went and got a master's in computer science. So I do a lot of, uh, uh, get my hands into a lot of different things, both technically hardware-based as well as software. Um, worked in the corporate world, mostly in management positions for 30 some odd years, mostly AT&T, Lucent, Alcatel Lucent, um, and then I joined uh, a pharmaceutical company called Merck for, for several years, uh, helping them with some of their IT stuff. Uh, and that's when my friend approached me about uh, opening up a craft brewery here in New Jersey or in Flemington. And uh, so uh, he and I partnered up. And uh, so I used a lot of my engineering background. One of the, the amazing things is uh, I, I tell people is when I was in the corporate world, we had a, we got a lot of training as managers. And there's a lot of things we were required to do and how to get training. And, and I, sometimes I went in there willingly, sometimes less willingly. Um, and then when we're building this business, I reflected after we opened our doors and I reflected on uh, all the things I went through to put this brewery into place. And I leveraged each and everything I had learned and all those experiences came back. Um, and, and I learned, and I just was, it was such a, a wonderful thing. I said, all that stuff, I didn't realize it at the time, but it did it, it, it pay dividends. And uh, so, and even to this day, I, I often reflect it on, on those things. And and you got, they're just tools in your bag of tricks that you you, you rely on uh, as, as a small business owner. Um, one of the things I learned um, when we built this business that I didn't appreciate as I do now, um, in the corporate world, you're, you're a big company, uh, you know, you're dealing with many branches and you look for the best deals when we are negotiating stuff. Um, when we opened up a brewery here in town, it was more about, well, yeah, I may not want to get the best price, but I want to support another local business, whether it's printing t-shirts, getting signs made up. And so even if it's that we want them to be competitive, but if it's just slightly higher, I'm going to give the business to somebody local because you see those dividends, they come back, they patronize your business, um, and, and so forth. Um, so that, that's a little bit about me. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the beer trail. Does that sound oh, good? You, you didn't mention Raritan Township. You're also on Oh, the- yes. That, that's my latest endeavor. So last uh, summer, uh, a position opened up on Raritan Township uh, Committee. Uh, Jeff Cool got appointed to the county level when Matt Hull resigned. Right. Uh, and Jeff had approached me and said, Bob, uh, you mentioned you had an interest. Are you still interested? And I said, uh, sure, let, let me go through the process. So I got interviewed. They selected me. 
And this uh, this past fall, I, I ran for the the seat and got elected. And and running for uh, uh, an elected position is is a very humbling experience. Um, I like to to joke with people. I said everyone should do this once in their life and no more. <laughs> so, well, uh, but it's great. It, we have a great township committee, and I, I'm happy to serve. And um, in fact, uh, I'm launching an initiative. Uh, I'll mention that before we get into the beer trail. Um, and, and since I've, I have six and a half years experience as in a local business, starting one from the ground up, um, I've also uh, am on the board of the Flemington Community Partnership, which is really uh, very analogous to a bid, a business improvement district in Flemington. I've been serving on that board for nearly as long as, as we've been running a brewery. Um, and that's been a, a, a also an enlightening uh, and eye-opening experience. And I see the value that organizations like the FCT provide to businesses. And so I'm in the process now of reaching out to businesses throughout Raritan Township to see if they have an appetite for some sort of organization. I'm not sure they're ready for a bid. There, there are pros and cons to how a bid is organized and structured. Um, and uh, so I, I think it's somewhere between what the FCP is, the bid versus what um, uh, the 100 and Chamber of Commerce, which is a little bit more broad across the county. Right. Uh, this will focus specifically on, on Raritan Township businesses. So letters should be going out, I, I believe, early next week. Um, I've, I've created one of my backgrounds is, is software. So I created a quick website that uh, hopefully people are going to uh, just uh, go to and uh, fill out a very quick survey. Uh, the first step is just to see what sort of appetite there is uh, for an organization like that. And if people want to get involved in helping uh, run, uh, I, I look at myself as really as an elected official, a facilitator uh, and, and an organizer. Uh, I, I, I unfortunately don't have time and uh, to go and, and do all this myself, uh, but I will be engaged. I, I have lots of ideas and uh, hopefully there is an appetite for that. And we'll, we'll get this off where people do want to dedicate a little bit of time, uh, maybe a little bit of resources uh, to formalize this, um, to promote their businesses, to collaborate and cross collaborate uh, across their businesses to all in, in, in the namesake of really just bringing them more, more revenue, more commerce, more business, and, and, and share some more stories of things that worked and didn't work. I find when you communicate and just start talking to people, you know, you're going to give them ideas they never thought of and, and, and vice versa. And right. how does, how does everyone, you know, kind of get on that page and, and really try to help everyone be successful? Uh, I view it here in, in Flemington, you know, when, when people come to town, I look for the opportunity to serve them a beer. It's just like, yeah, it's great that I can get them here. I look yep. at it as an opportunity and I, I'd like to collaborate and promote, you know, wherever we can. Well, it's interesting. I want to make this about you. Let me give you about 30 seconds of my background because we overlap. I was, my first job was at Merck as a computer. Oh, really? Yeah, I won't tell you what year <laughs> because she was saying, how's this guy still walking around? But I, I went on from there and I was an IT director for um, three or four major retailers in my career, including Macy's Herald Square and New York Macy's organization. At that no point. kidding. We've, look, Joe, we got more in common than you think. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then I got sick of doing it for a company. I said, I want to do this for a lot of companies. So I went up and I went to sales and I sold for SAP and Oracle back to the retail vertical for years. Wow. So I, I did wow. strategic accounts and... Secondly, I'm very involved in Somerset County. So I'm on the chamber in Somerset County. I'm an ambassador in both. I'm on their tour and involved in their tourism. They really have a tourism committee. And I'm sort of involved here because I've been in all the meetings that Mark invites me to. So 
I I sort of I wouldn't say I cross pollinate, but in effect, I'm on a sustainable Somerset, and I'm involved in Gull Hunter, you know, and a lot of duplicities across the two counties. And you know, uh, I think you just you just educated me, and I love getting educated. I love learning all the time, and so thank you for sharing that. I just that, you know what it's it's a small world, and yeah. uh, that, that that that's great. Um, wow, that's fun. But I know um, the, the mayor of Somerville, which I'm going to interview for a second time, and I've interviewed his wife on the history of Somerville, which is amazing. Um, they go all the way back. 1788, George Washington had 8,800 troops in the Somerville area. 8,800 troops. They wow. only had 800 people in Somerville. I mean, it's an amazing. They're going to have for this two and a half centennial thing. They have a fancy name for it. But 2026 will be 250 years. They're going to have a big blowout on the Revolutionary wow. War history. But he said to me, what does what does Flemington think about what we're doing in Somerville. I said, it's pure lust. <laughs> you guys have put it together. I mean, we're you, real. And so I haven't, haven't been on the FCP for, uh, gosh, it's five plus years now. And right. we've been through a couple of different directors. You mentioned you you met with Ann Meredith um, when you made right. work with her. Uh, then uh, 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 Robin uh, is now, uh, uh, Lapidus is now our, our current director. And so when when we were looking at doing our annual planning and, and we were more about thinking of the strategic plan and laying this stuff out. And at that time, you know, people in Somerville were saying they were just like going after getting stuff done. And and we talked to them and they said, oh, we, we wish we'd taken a more thoughtful approach like Flemington has. And we're like, yeah. wow, we, we kind of would. Now we look at this. I wish we had kind of done the opposite. Just go get some stuff done, and because right. we look, I, 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 I think, and I marvel what they've. I, I'm envious, absolutely envious of what they've done in Somerville. I think it's it's uh, amazing for the businesses for the pandemic when they shut the sh the main street down and they had the restaurants sitting out there. I'd like, this is a town that's thinking of their small businesses and helping yes. them survive. And I thought that was wonderful. I look at Division Street. If you're familiar with Division yep. Street, and how they locked that down. And I'm, I'm selfish a little bit because I look at Stangle where my building is and right. how do I shut this down on a weekend and get music out there, put tables exactly. out there. Exactly. It's and, the same. And, and you get food court next door and you got a brewery here and you got a, a right across the street, a skunk town just moved in and you get some, some mixed drinks and said, why can't we make an experience here that people want to come out and enjoy themselves on yep. the weekend? Yeah, uh, these are these are things I want to do, and it, it's easy, much easier to say because you got to have a town that's willing to work with you, somebody that's going to not charge you an arm and a leg to shut down the street for a few hours on a given day. Right. Um, I've actually talked with uh, George Valone, who's um, developing the Liberty Village project, and asked them if they could build a bypass through that village so we could actually accommodate shutting the street down without significantly interfering with traffic. So I'm, I'm trying to plant the right seeds. These things just Good. take time. Yes, it takes do. Time. But do. But as long as you have vision and as long as you have persistence, you can get there. It just takes some time to convince the others that, you know, this is the path we want to go down on. Then have showed me how they built all of the um, apartments and now some townhouses on the other side of the railroad tracks, but they built a walkthrough. So yep, you could get right. to the other side, catch the train, come over to Division Street. And then he had me talk to some people on Division Street and Main Street. And they were they they didn't even shut down during a pandemic. They literally had to follow the rules, but they were shipping overseas. A couple of them went into eBay businesses just to keep wow. going. But they were all wow. happy campers. They just kept going. So, yeah, we're, we're we've been talking about putting a trail, not a rail trail, but a trail beside the rail, 
So it would connect Stangle with Main Street and further down to the ball fields where they play right. Little League. And I'm thinking, well, and so the, the Robin uh, gave, planted this idea with us several years ago. And I'm like, this is absolutely brilliant. I said, what's it going to take and when can we get started? She, oh, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of money and it's a lot of work and it's going to take a long time. And so every year I ask the question, how much? And I keep getting and I get frustrated now. I'm like, give me a yeah. ballpark. I just, because now I have to say, well, it's going to cost, is it a half a million dollars? Is it $5 million? I have no idea. Is it going to, that tells me, is it going to take one year? Is it going to take five years? But I think these are the type of things, you, at least if I can understand it, I can say, okay, let's go. How are we going to just divide and conquer, tear this thing down and, and go after it piece by piece? But Ernie Tupo, who's a realtor, and we're both a Cobalt banker. My, my office is over in Warren Watchung. But I live here in Clinton, and he's always been Hunterdon County. And he says, when I was a kid, we didn't have malls. It was cool to come downtown Flemington and walk around. It was our mall. Yeah. We need to get it back in that direction. Now, I think Jack Cust is bringing us in that direction. I'm, yeah. I'm, I really, I'm looking forward to talking with Jack in March when he comes on. But uh I yeah, think George George is doing he's he's they're the developer for the read for the Liberty Village. And and so I look, I have a point of view on this, which I'm sure many don't agree with. Um I I marvel at this. Right? When it comes to a little bit about re, I'm not a real estate developer, I'm a, I'm a small business guy um, and and uh, in a in a in a small town. Um, but when when I look at what I think it takes uh to 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 create a small business, um and create a community. I, I think we've established that here. Um, and, and I marvel when I go to these meetings and I hear people say things like, well, they should do this. Well, they should build a movie theater. They should build a boat. And I'm like, could you point myself, they out? Yeah, no, who, who is they? And, I, <laughs> and, and my argument is if you think this is a great idea, why don't you invest Right. I've looked at some of these models, right? I looked at, because I thought, yeah, we need a movie theater. And then I did a little bit of homework. I'm like, you know who's making the money on a movie theater? The movie companies, yes. the movie industry. I said, not the, the people that set up and spend millions of dollars creating a movie environment. Because if you don't have people sitting in seats and eating popcorn, you're not making any money. It's and so, so and, and it's no more a movie. It's an experience. I mean, you have to make it into eating, drinking, yes. and yeah. getting together and then watching a movie. And the malls are the same way. So I, yeah. I think, you know, the malls spill over to Now you walk, I've been in retail all my life. So I can tell you when a store is dying, I could just walk through and see they're not stocking the shelves and whatever. And I've walked through several malls and I won't mention them. And they're quivering. I mean, they're, they're, when you start to see every 10th store is either closed or it's a pop-up store, like a calendar store or a seasonal store, you start to say to yourself, what's going on? And now retail has changed and COVID has changed it even faster. It Absolutely. Absolutely. But we're not, we're never going back to where we were in retail. And at the same time, people need to get out of the house and go somewhere. They need that experiential experience. I've doubled down on experience I, there, but it's, it's what they want. I could not agree more. And that's one of the things, Will, not only here in town, but I look at this in Raritan Township, right? People want something to do. They want to go out. They want, and and yeah, I won't say retail is complete. I think there are people, uh, and I'll, I'll point right down the street from us, 39 Mine. I think they have done a fantastic job in how they have marketed their product and marketed their brand, and they have a close following. And they've done a wonderful job. And I think people that will con continue to, to seek out and find those niches are, are going to find themselves doing very well. 
there is a need for that. There is still a place, but I don't think it's it's what it once was, as you and I may remember growing up and having you know store after store. Um, but I, I do marvel at some of these little towns, but they tend to be more tourist destination towns, right? I was up in Bar Harbor last summer, and oh, yeah. I sat there and I said, "This is amazing." But but we're not a Bar Harbor, right? I don't I no. don't have that kind of community. I'd love to create it. I'd love to figure that out. I just I don't see that, right? But not with all the infighting that goes on in, in terms of so many ideas and, and not agreeing on what does this thing, what should it be, and how do we get there? It's just like. Cool. Too too many cooks in the kitchen, or too many people have their own self interest. I, I I don't know. We went to they call it Bahaba. Yeah, <laughs> about five years ago, we actually stayed in a monastery. And uh, was that was that Bar Harbor? Or was that no? That was Kenny Bunk. We were in Kenny Bunk, and then there's Kenny Bunk for Bar Harbor right. is a little further up. But but it's it's neat. It's a neat place. Anyway, let's get back to the brewery business, which is what we got together to talk about. <laughs> so we have seven breweries in Hunterdon County, and you are a partner in one of them. And you've been open six and a half years. Yes. And so um, I guess it was, I can't remember. I think we were just coming out of the pandemic. Uh, and so I, 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 wherever I travel, I always like to see, I, I wish I was smart enough to come up with half the ideas I implement. <laughs> but I like where, where something is good and I think it's going to work. I say, how do I get it done here? So I was uh, visiting my in-laws in Florida and they have wonderful beer trails, so many breweries down there. And everywhere I go, I like to support local and I love to support and do local craft beer because I like to see what they're doing. And if it's something interesting, I'm like, I, and I borrowed a few ideas that I brought back and said to my brother, hey, go make this beer. It's really good. And so we've done that. So I said, why don't we develop? We have seven breweries here in Hunterdon County. Why don't we have our own beer trail? So Mark Salak from the, he got uh, promoted to the, he now has tourism in his title. And I'm like, Mark, you've done this for 579. My first approach was like, let us all be part of the 579 trail. Because some of those agri-tours business aren't technically on the 579, but they're close enough. Yep, there you go. Um, and he said, well, Bob, these are people that grow stuff and, and they're, they're more agriculturally aligned. And so this is, the, you know, this is not really a good fit. And I said, well, let's start our own thing. He goes, well, you know, Bob, I'm really busy. I don't have time. I said, all right, Mark, you tell you what, I'm going to start this thing off. And then when you're ready, you take it over. So yep. I went around to all the breweries um, through emails and calling them up, say, hey, I want to try this concept called the beer trail. I think it's going to be good for all of us. Because what I was seeing when I was talking to the people, the different, and I've made many friends through all the breweries here in Hunter County. What I saw was people up in Highbridge were, were, were visiting their breweries. People down in Stockton were visiting Oddbird. Right. People around Flemington were coming to Lone Eagle and Conclave. And I'm like, we're not getting these people out to really appreciate and enjoy all the good beers we have this county has to offer. And so that was my impetus, right? And so I said, Let, let's let's get this out and let's let's expose our county to what we all are doing because they're all everyone has its own unique culture, everyone has its own unique vibe, everyone's got their own little little specialties that they that they promote and support and i'm like why aren't we advertising this why aren't we promoting this uh so i would start with an email thread and, and people would respond and not respond and finally i went around and i got passports made up um and, and mark sock was good in that aspect because he had Kristen cook who's a phenomenal uh at, at artwork and coming up with designs on on how these things look so she's been doing this for us from day one and I, I can't say enough positive things about Kristen Cook in this space. I want to give a plug out to her. 
Um, and so uh, we got the passports made off and I went and dropped them off personally to every brewery. And I wanted to speak with every owner and a lot of them didn't even want to come out and talk to me. And I left their, their server, a very good, a, a juicy message saying, answer your emails. I don't have to do this. I want to do this. This is good for all of us. Please just answer and respond to emails. And so we kicked it off. We printed, I think a thousand passports and we advertised it just amongst ourselves. And it was a, a huge success. Uh, we gave out a piece of glassware. So you visited each one, you got a stamp. We punch a hole in your passport, just like you would when your passport expires. You got your souvenir glass. So we kept track of, you know, how many we handed out and how many glassware uh, that we gave out to kind of see what was the uh, effectiveness of the program. Uh, so we handed out about a thousand passports and I think we handed out well over just north of, I think five, close to 600 glass. So 60% wow. hit rate was, and I thought that was, that's pretty good. Wow. That's pretty good. So um, at that point, then after that program, all the breweries kind of said, Bob, this is a really good idea. And I'm like, well, thank you. And so and now when I send an email, and so now when I send an email out, they uh, they all respond. They're all participating. And, we, and so we're 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 getting on the journey on this. And so we we started this thing. We're we're now going to be approaching our fourth one. We just met uh, last week um, on this, and uh, we talked about what we're going to do. So the first one was just you know, get your passport signed. The second one, we did a collaboration. Seven breweries, we put seven hops in a hat. We each picked out a hop and everybody brewed a beer with that hop. And that was what we called the trail mix. So that okay. was a fun name. And that was a way we could collaborate. We want to collaborate in a way that we don't want to compete head to head, right? I don't want my beer, well, customers are going to do that anyway, but I don't want to do a, a collaboration where, well, you did it better or worse than this brewery. That's not what we're all about. We want you to go and share what each of us are doing and can do. And in that case, it was with a particular hop. The last one we did was we had to use a, an ingredient that was produced in New Jersey when we wanted to support the agriculture. So many of us used grains that are grown and malted down in South Jersey. And so everyone did a beer with, with a New Jersey ingredient. The next one we just met on, we're going to do pairwise collaboration. So we're going to put our names in a hat. And then whatever name you pick, you go to their place and brew a beer. So everyone's going to do a beer with somebody else um, just to say, here's how we're and what I really like about this idea is we're getting to what I call beer culture, right? We're starting to 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 work with each other in ways we've never done before. We're going to build relationships and help each other out in ways we've not done today. When I go in, in this space and beer and craft beer is 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 a segment. It is an industry, but it's very different than the big guys. And when I go to other states that are much more mature in craft beer and I I ask a lot of questions. I love to see what they're doing. I love to see how they collaborate. And when I'm in Florida and I go and they said, here, take this receipt and go to this one down the street and they're going to give you half off on your first uh, uh, round of beers. And I'm like, they're doing this to promote each other. And this right. is what we all should be doing. We're right. not, I tell people, we're not our direct competition. The big guys are that are coming in, tying up tap lines and bars and restaurants that us little guys have a really hard time getting into. And so where, so we, where, where in Florida do you go to you see this? Uh, so my mother-in-law lives in Northport. So we usually hit like Tampa and go all the way down to like Sarasota. For, yep. you know, Northport is just south of Sarasota. And Great so area. they, uh, St. Petersburg has a ton, a ton of craft beer. And uh, Saint, Tampa St. Petersburg is an incubation. It, it, it's the guy who started um, 
AOL. I'm trying to think what his name is, but he wrote a book about we need diversification in our incubations. And instead of just having them in Silicon Valley and Philadelphia and New York, and St. Petersburg was one of the areas he mentioned. He's saying, Really? Yeah. And then my son-in-law lives in Charleston. He's, he used to work for Wolfgang Puck out in Santa Monica, but then when they shut all the restaurants down for a year and a half, they had to earn a living. So they moved to where his dad lived in Charleston. So he and our granddaughter is down there now. And that's one of them. And he's he's a fixed price restaurant, fixed price dinner for two without wine. 340. Wow. 340. What? We'll sit down and eat dinner. And then wine on top of it. And he said, now, when I was working for Wolfgang Puck in Santa Monica, it was one of his private restaurants in Maryland and had dinner and lunch with a couple of times. He said, the average entry is 50 bucks. The average appetizer is 25. The average dinner for two is $1,400. And that's all wine. And wine could be craft beer. And he said, you know what? The people come in, he says, the Hollywood stars are here. He said, I'm not even allowed to acknowledge them when they come in because they want privacy. He says, but when, you know, he said, like Maud used to come in there. What's it? Uh, trying to think what her name is. B. Arthur was. Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. said, she adopted me. I was like one of her favorites. But when she came in, she wanted her table, no matter what day it was, what time it was. And we had to accommodate her. Wow. And, but wow. he said, the people that come in and spend the money aren't the people that you know. They're the people that are the cinematographers and the producers and the whatever. And he took me through the wine cellar there. It was he he's the guy with the cork around his neck, whatever to get a. a oh yeah, 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 but yeah. he Sommelier. Yep. Yeah, I was totally impressed with what they had out there. They they had twelve hundred dollar wine there, and I, just talk about Somerville a little bit. One of my management clubs went to Somerville to Wolfgang's to eat, and there was twelve of us. The, the tab was twenty two hundred bucks, and we didn't have anything uh, fancy. <laughs> I, I don't and I said to Dennis, the mayor, how do you support this? He says, not only do we support it, we're opening a second one. And I've been in there two wow. or three times, and there's never an empty table in the place. You know, you get a reputation, it's about good product and good service. Right. And and, and if you're pampered and, and people of that, there there's look, there's money out here, right? We did our homework. And that Wolfgang's it has nothing to do with Wolfgang and Punk, by the way. Wolfgang yep. was the head waiter for the steak restaurant in Brooklyn. What is it called? Uh, it's a cash-only steak restaurant in Brooklyn. Anyway, he woke up and started his own business. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's quite, quite. it's the home of the $100 steak. It's, I've eaten there in New York a couple of times. And it's, wow. you know, it's, it's not inexpensive, but it's the best steak you're ever going to have. And that's what oh. you remember, right? So now you're cross-pollinating these five, seven locations, and you're cross-pollinating other beer trails elsewhere who have done things. Around the clusters where the breweries are, the microbreweries are, there's other businesses that are going to start to benefit from this. And they and they should, right? And so we're 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 challenged with the regulations that the ABC has placed upon small craft breweries. Um so we're we're working our way through that. Um but uh, yeah, like we can't promote food trucks or other restaurants. Uh, we're allowed to have their menus and and that's what we've seen here. People show up and, and we're, we have a more of a retail presence here in Flemington. And so people look in and say, oh, are you a restaurant? Are you a, are you a brew pub? I said, no, we're a brewery. I said, but you're welcome to go down the street, Bluefish Grill, uh, Marinelli's for pizza, get a slice of pizza or something else off their menu on Bluefish Grill, bring your tacos, bring it back here and enjoy your, your meal with one of our cool. craft beers. 
And so we, we do encourage that. In fact, we encourage anyone that's going to uh, consume any kind of alcohol beverage. You should you should consume food um, to some degree. So we we're allowed to offer what they call de minimis snacks. So I have some prepackaged snacks and snacks. And so Popcorn Nation is a local. They make popcorn right here in in Hunterdon County, and right. so they're a supplier of ours. And they they we we keep it fresh. So I like to run out just the right, the right amount, and I can refresh every week because when it's fresh, people love it. And then they, and then they saw, I didn't realize that we came and we talked about it a couple of years ago that you can't sell other things like even just wine. You, you, as a no. microbrewery can only sell what you brew. That is correct. You don't that have a correct. traditional liquor license. That is right. So that's, that's part of the challenge. People spent a lot of money. Um, and look, there's, there's lots of arguments. They say, I spent a million dollars for a liquor license. And then I counter, well, I spent a million dollars building my brewery. And like, well, then I spent, you know, half a million built in my kitchen. So you go back and forth and where right. does it end? Um, they, I, I've been down to Trenton and listened to them. Um, and when we have meetings about changing this stuff and and they, they'll they say out of one side of their mouth, hey, I'm welcome. I welcome the competition, except you guys can't do this because you didn't pay a million dollars for a liquor license. And I'm like, <laughs> OK, I, so this is um, this is broken at many levels across the state. And um, it, it needs the, the liquor license go back to prohibition. It's it's antiquated. Uh, they're out of date. They the the economic development. If you look at New Jersey, and I've heard two numbers, neither of them are very good. And the, the amount of spent per capita on beer, New Jersey is either forty second or forty fifth in the country. So that wow. suggests, yeah, it's that low. And I sit there, and so people. Look at we. I think in New Jersey there's about 140 to 180 breweries, depending on what state they're in. Um, and so people are like, oh, the bubble's going to burst. There's too many, and I'm like, you don't, you don't understand this business. You don't understand this model. And uh, so um, there's there's room for growth. We in, in fact in Hunter County, we probably if you go to other counties, there's only two or three. We're fortunate. We have seven. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at the map. How do they get so evenly distributed? Is that through marketing, this analysis, or is that just I, that's? I up? think I, well, I think a little bit. If you look at um, each one, so the oldest one, the oldest craft brewery in New Jersey is, is actually was the Ship Inn, and now it's called Descendants. So they are a brew pub located up in Melford, right? Okay. So that that was there. Um, Conclave opened up in Raritan Township. Uh, we opened ours in Flemington because we we saw a need and we, we found a property that we thought could work for us. Um, Reddington built theirs on a farm. They have hops growing, so they have a hop farm right next to their brewery. Wow. Sunken Silo found a place next to a, a wonderful seafood restaurant. Yep. Um, and and Adam and Karen and Oddbird down in uh, Stockton found this great little garage that they converted right along the Delaware River Canal. And it's just gorgeous. And I looked at Adam and I said, Adam, you got to find a new location. You're parking. It's horrible. And he looked at me and said, Bob, we have the best location. I love this. I love our customers. I said, you figured it out. Good for you. God bless. Right. You know, I just, it would be great if they could figure out a better way to get parking accommodated. They're so close right. to the, the canal trail. If they could work with their town and somehow build a little bridge even closer to where they were across the canal to service them, I think would be not only them, but the businesses that are right there next to them. It would just keep flourishing tourism in that little section. So a microbrewery isn't like a liquor license where the state regulates how many you could have. So you I'm, I can brew. I have one location here. I can have one tasting room and it's where I make my beer. Okay. So that's, I can't have a satellite tasting room. Look, I, not that I didn't think of this. Yeah. I would love to be down in Lambertville, right? Cause 
The right. amount of traffic they get in the summertime is just right. phenomenal, right? But the state says, no, you can't do that. And for me to open up a brewery down there, that means I got to invest in all that equipment. I have to find a location that was going to be close. In fact, if you remember, Riverhorse was in Lamberville. And I think their land, I don't know the, the, the full history, but they didn't get along with their landlord and they moved down to Ewing. And that building is still empty. And so, huh. to my knowledge. And so, yeah, I think you look at places where there's a lot of people like the summer you look at all those uh breweries that are down near the shore it's because that's yep. where the population is we get a lot of people coming out in the summertime and that's summertime when people like to consume a lot of beer so you can't open a satellite but somebody yeah. could open up right next door to you yeah sure that's um, interesting what do they have to go through to open a new brewer uh, microbrewery they just they gotta apply so it's a process you gotta apply to the feds Right. And that's called a TTB. You get a, you got to go and fill a license out with them. In parallel to that, you apply to the state saying, I'm doing this. And typically, once you get approved by the feds, the state more or less rubber stamps you if you've gotten everything in a row. Hmm. You got to show all your finances. The state wants to know where this money's coming from. They want to make sure you don't have a bunch you can't crowdsource for your, your equipment. You've got to show where your capital is coming from. So uh, my part, my business partner, Todd and I, we both put in our own personal capital and right. then we got out yeah. a, a, a business loan to, to help capitalize the rest of our build out. Uh, we've had one major expansion since we we've been open. Uh, we, we, we were at capacities about two years after we opened. I, I looked at the size of equipment we purchased and, and I was running through the amount of pints that equated to, and I just, I couldn't fathom how do I sell this much beer? I just, I don't, right. I don't get it. And I got really nervous. Um, and then two years, I'm like, well, we should have gone bigger. And so and we, we need a bigger boat. So we've expanded next door where we, we have the capacity um, to add more fermenters. I have our own canning line now, much bigger cold room. So we, we can accommodate um, the, the growth going forward. So I told you I'm involved in Somerset County as well. And they opened a microbrewery on Main Street, an old Woolworths building. This building goes must go up 1,200 feet deep, as, as some yeah. of the restaurants there do. And they had a chamber event in there to celebrate the opening. And I was blown away by the amount of stainless steel that I saw yeah. on the first hey, floor. Um, and and the guy that was taking us around, he says, "Come on downstairs and let me show you where the real pipes are." And it it I it's got to be five billion in equipment just to open yeah. that brewery. Yeah, it, it's it. You get some people that are investing in what they're doing. It's uh, we're small on the grand scale thing. We're we're all small, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I marvel at stuff like that. And then to be fair, that's um that is a brew pub, so they have a full liquor license, so they right. can do both. Um, uh, they can sell their beer as well as anyone else's beer, uh, wines, mixed uh, drinks, etc. Okay, so you could put a microbrewery in a liquor license operation. That's called a brew pub. So we're called a brew limited pub. distribution brewery. That's our license. So we pay okay. a set fee a year, and we can brew up to so many thousands of barrels. I think it might be thirty or fifty thousand barrels. A barrel is thirty-one gallons. So. That's a lot of beer. And okay. so uh, we're not there. Now, a brew pub that has a, a liquor license, they have to, I believe they have to show that 40%, at least 40% of the revenue is coming from food. So it can't just be from beer. Okay. They are also limited to, I think, a amount of barrels they can distribute, which is about 1,000. So they have different parameters on what they can and can't do, right? And so they've tried to, the, the ABC and, and the legislators at that time tried to carve out, well, here's what these different people can do. Um, and then the, 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 the original legislation was extremely vague. The, the only thing that legislation really stated that we had to do is 
if you want to do, if you want to consume a beer at a brewery, a limited distribution, which is we are, you must by law go through a tour. And so you have to take a tour. And now the way the state defines a tour is a meaningful engagement between a consumer and one of your employees. Okay. So what is meaningful? <laughs> so it, 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 it's just it, these things that drive me kind of crazy because there's no set. So, so, so come is, in. Is, is there any opportunity for a shark tank like operation to come in and say, hey, I can start giving microbrewery franchises out? Or do these uh, have to be one offs? I think, well, their liquor license in New Jersey, I think they have to be one offs. I think they limit, I don't know if a liquor license you're allowed to have two per your name. And so if you look at many of these, Although like uh, Canal Joe's or Bourbon Street, there's a, they have another family's member name on the license. Right. And so even though it may be the same family that owns all these, I think okay. it's technically somebody else's name tied to that license, right? So I don't know what the franchise, I don't, I'm not, you probably would have to get a good liquor attorney to, to understand what that right, means. Right, right. And, and, and the regulations are really the, what they're doing. So the director of the ABC felt he had to create fairness amongst people that are creating breweries um, versus people that are spending all this money on a liquor license. One of the things they were trying to prevent, which is interesting, is they didn't want these small places opening on Main Street, acting like a bar, competing with the guy that is a bar, right? And so um, there are pros and cons across the board. Uh, Look, my brewery, we don't want to be that, right? I I think somewhere between 16 to 80% of the product we make goes out the door through distribution or canned goods or crowlers. And so that's, that's, that's amazing. I would never guess that. Yes. 68% because I do see you deliver. It's a rather steep, you know, but it's nothing's cheap. And we have a distributor here in New Jersey that gets it out to bars, restaurants and and liquor stores and packaged goods. I have a a distributor in Pennsylvania that does the same for us. Okay. So, yeah. And, and so this is what the ABC wants. They want crap breweries like us getting your product. Yeah. You have, you can have a tasting room. Um, and this is where I like to tell them the reason a tasting room is so important because I get to experiment. We get to try all kinds of crazy things and we get to figure out, well, here's what works and what works. I scale up and I, I get out to, to a broader base. Those that don't work, we don't brew again. It's as simple as that. And uh, we've been around for a while now. We've brewed a, so many different beers. And now this year, we're going to go back and, and bring out old, what I call old beef, but goodies, people that we haven't done in a while. They said, oh, remember when you did that? It was so good. I'm like, OK, so we're, I'm trying to figure out how to crowdsource that to get our customers engaged in that process. So let's go back to the 68 percent. How much or of that 68 60 to 80, somewhere in that. I'd have to okay, go back. So how much of that is one off where somebody just takes some beer home versus it going to other places that resell it? Oh, uh, I, I know minimally. Fifty uh, percent is going after my distributors, minimally. So the rest okay. are coming out of my tasting room because um, that's what they want to come in for. And that right next to me is Little Brothers and Central Liquors. They sell more of my packaged goods than I do, and why? Because they're open at more convenient hours. They're going in to pick something else up, and they're yeah. picking up our beer at the same time. And I love it. I have no issue. This is they they price it the same way I price it. I'm not trying to undercut them. If Wonderful. anything, I want to support them. Because that's how this model works. We're, we're we're here to work with everybody. We're just we're not here. So, now, not- part, part of the seven five seventy nine trails also the wineries. Are you yep. guys associated with the wineries at all? Well, that's Joe. That's a great question. So when we started this, my original idea, and I approached Mark with this. Mark Salak. I said, Mark, 
you know what would be even better than a beer trail? Let's call it the spirit trail of Hunterdon County. Wow. Let's include wineries. Let's include the cidery. Let's include the people that are making spirits and the breweries. They said, now when you do a passport, it's a more meaningful experience, right? And it's a more yep. challenging because there's many more of those. And I said, I guarantee you, we're going to bring business to everybody. Right. There, there's only one winery that I know of, and I've spoken to this person specifically. Mark says, Bob, you know what? They, they they don't want that, and here's why. And uh, I listened to the argument and excuse. I'm like, this is bad. So that's another reason why we did the beer trail. They don't even have a wine trail because they can't amongst themselves agree on, on doing something like this. Huh. Um, I will I will give a plug to Old York Cellars because I give credit that that person is is forward thinking and he gets it and he realizes this would be good for all of us. And he wanted to be part of that. And I, a part of the beer trade said, well, it doesn't make sense. I think you got to have all or none. Um, and so, so even it's with amazing. the ciders, so they, they have seven different wineries, but they don't have a wine trail. Yep. Go figure. Yeah. So now I know <laughs> I'm thinking my personal experience. I was a beer drinker till I was about 50 and I switched over to wine. Yep. Um, I told you earlier that I'm, I'm, uh, I don't drink at all at this point in time, but that's just a station in life it was a health decision. Not, not a, not we support but Marilyn was always a wine drinker and never drank, never drank a beer in her life. And you know, I've had even guys say, you know, beer has never touched his lips. I'm a wine drinker, yeah, and, yeah. Okay, so I appreciate it. So it's a little gender specific, but it's also a little what you did in your house when you grew up. I mean, Marilyn said, We never had alcohol in the house. I said, yeah. We always had beer on the table, you know, it was is the old Irish Philadelphia, whatever. <laughs> That's funny because my parents didn't drink either. And I think when I went to, to college is when I just started to acquire a taste for beer. And uh, my dad likes to enjoy wine and he doesn't care for beer. And I'm just glad I opened up a brewery because otherwise he probably would have drank me out of wine. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, and, and I actually got into red wines. I would, they called me Joe Merlot at the end. There. Oh, uh, yeah, I enjoy, we would visit Napa several times. I mean, there's, wonderful wines out there i enjoy i enjoy a glass of wine i've just gotten beers uh, and and i marvel now i i guess i when i first got into beer i was big in the hops i was big in the bitterness those those big bitter west coast ipas and like the, the bitter the stronger the better and now i'm like i'm beyond that now i i start to enjoy a variety of, people ask me bob what's your favorite beer and i look at the board i'm like what day of the week is it and uh, they'll see, and I'll go, I'll go through a rotation and I tell them, and I joke about this. I said, my job is quality control. I want to make sure all my beers still taste good. And so, but one so, of the things I do, so one it, of the things I do, when I go to a visiting a brewery and I, I love the taste what you do, I always start with the lightest beer possible. So okay. if you go for a Pilsner or a Colt, right? because if you're not making those well, look, you can hide your sins in an IPA. These hazy IPAs, you throw a bunch of hops in there, you make a little mistake, you can bury those sins with with all the hops you're throwing at it. Yep. The really good ones and delicate people, I get that, right? But for the most part, you can hide your sins. But you get a nice Pilsner or a Kolsch or something light, and you're off, it comes through. And I say, yeah, if you get this one right, I'm like, all right, you guys know what you're doing. Let's progress from here. So here's a hypothetical question or a rhetorical question, maybe. What came first, beer or wine? For me or in the industry? What say it again? For me personally, or for no, no. I mean, in, in history. Uh gosh, I don't. I'm not. I I know. I've done more research on beer. I don't know when wine was. I, I know where, where Mesopotamia Mark, back of the um because it was by mistake that they left the big uh, you know this grain that was outside. It got water in it, 
It yeah. got warm and fermented and grew, and that's how beer formed. Right. Somebody drank it, they got drunk, and they said, wow, this is... And it's much beer. easier to make than wine. Yes. Well, yes. alcohol, especially alcohol. Gotta go for uh, I, I might get in trouble with some other brewers because they take their craft. Um, I, I brew, I've home brewed since the mid-90s. I've brewed on my system here. I have a brew team that takes care of the beer for me. But I, I from what I've seen through the winemaking process, there's, look, it's all controls. And you got to have tight controls. You got to measure a lot of data throughout the process. And uh, there's with the sulfites and all the other wonderful right. things they do to keep things balanced. It's uh, it, it's an interesting model. So we, you know, where my question comes from, I'm a big history nut. And um, I watched the, uh, the, I call them the Dungeons and Dragons, but the uh, War of, Game of Thrones and that. Oh, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all I ever drink is wine. I don't see anybody drinking beer. That's where the question came from. It's Well, the, the other interesting facet, and I've, I have tried this, and I have some bottles that have been aging because I've been told it ages better, is mead. And so mead is another one that's been around for a long time. And mead right. is made with honey, right? So you got to distill. So there's only, to my knowledge, one meadery in the state of New Jersey. Huh. Because of the laws, just like with a cider, you have to have so many acres of apples. You have to grow so much apples to make a cider, right? Right. And I looked at doing ciders here because my, my daughter loves ciders. I said, oh, let me look at this model. And New York's growing some great apples for cider. Yep. And you know what they're keeping? All the best apples. So, yeah, I could set up a model, but I'm getting all the stuff that they don't want. And I'm nowhere going to be able to compete with them based on getting secondhand that are fruits from them than uh, from that. And then honey, you had to grow or make enough honey through bees. And that's really hard to do here in New Jersey. But I understand you did add some alcoholic ciders to your... Um... We have a hard seltzer. We have a hard seltzer. Seltzer. Yes, yeah, yeah. So seltzer is different. So... Yeah, seltzer is different than a cider. I, I can't make a cider by law of the state okay. of Jersey. So uh, people ask me to do it. I said, yeah, I, I know how to do it. I'm not allowed. So, so how does the alcohol get into the seltzer? Where's what's the so it's it's it, it, it's it's just like malt. It's a it's a, you you ferment it and you just use a, a some malt and a lot of sugars okay. um, to, to make it cleaner. Um, and there's a couple other magic tricks you got to do to make it taste clean. I remember our very first seltzer, we didn't know all the magic. And so it it tasted just like Prosecco. And you might say, well, Bob, who doesn't like Prosecco? Yeah. The problem is when you smelled it, there was a, the yeast, because we stressed them so hard, gave off a sulfur byproduct. So you had to let it sit for a couple minutes so that that sulfur smell kind of dissipated. And I'm like, if somebody buys it, and the first thing I always do when I drink a beer, I look at it for its clarity. Yeah. I smell it for its aroma. I want to smell the hops. I want to smell the malts. I want to smell the yeast. All those things. Because that's what's preparing my palate for what's coming next. And when you took the seltzer and you smelled the sulfur, you're like, oh, that stuff doesn't smell nice. <laughs> but tastes great, doesn't smell nice. And it's not a good experience overall. So we ended up getting, we just we just dumped that batch. And uh, and we figured out how to, how to solve that problem. Interesting. So we're coming up on running out of time in the next five or 10. What didn't we talk about that you thought we should talk about today? Uh, let's see. Um, the beer, it's the developing more of a beer culture. I think when our consumers within Hunterdon County see that we are all collaborating, I think that's going to say, wow, this is great. When I, when I like to look at what we're doing for the beer trail, I like to say we're leading others in the state. I won't say we're doing it better than anywhere else across the country. I don't know them as well, but just my experience, we, New Jersey has a long way to go. 
Uh, but I think we're, we're leading the state in terms of a county that's figured this out. And we could not be where we are without Mark and his team. Although we, we were challenged getting it going once it got going and they took it over. They have they have taken us to a, a level that we just couldn't have done ourselves. So as an example, I mentioned when we did it ourselves, we we went through about a thousand passports. Mm. Once Mark and his team got on board and started promoting the program, it went to five thousand passports. Wow! So that's I, that's measurable data. Well, we gave out a lot more glasses. They were able to attract people not only within the county but outside of the county. Uh, in terms of coming in and seeing what Hunterdon County has to offer. So my my hat and 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 it goes out to the I am just grateful that they're a partner. Um they uh we're we're in this and, and Mark likes to point out what a great public sector, private sector collaboration we have going. So I we we're organized across the businesses, but we work with them and they like it because they get such great av- uh, accolades. They get great praise and people are literally excited to be part of this. And they keep asking, when's the next one coming out? Yeah. You know, what are you doing? That's differently. And that, and they, they get juiced by that and they get excited by that. So that, that is such a, a, a wonderful thing. Um, the other thing we're doing differently, we took out rather than, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the edible New Jersey magazine. I've heard so, of it. Not yeah, so it, and I don't want to give them too many props, but it's 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 a pretty pricey. It's a great magazine. They do a wonderful job promoting uh, restaurants and the like. And and in the summertime, they do a beer edition, and it's a pricey ad. So rather than any one of us doing an individual ad, we took one out on behalf of the beer trail and all the breweries. This is something we paid for ourselves, and we all chipped in. And it just shows how we can promote ourselves and all the breweries in Hunterdon County. And, and the price is rather than one, but and it highlights everything we're doing. People doing the trail is not hard. You can do it in a day, doing it responsibly. Um, but, you know, we, we, we encourage you to do this over a couple of days. And, and people do that. People travel in. They're looking for something to do. Back to when we started this about experience, right? People yeah. want something to do. And we have, and, and I also think people are, are a little goal-oriented, right? And say, here's, here's the goal. Go get seven stamps on your passport, right? Visit each one of them. And people, they want to get out and do something. Right, and, and, so. and one of the things with COVID that I discovered, and uh, is how much you don't know about the county you live in. Um, we wanted to get out and do some of the farms thing, the, the and visit just visit the farm, see the cows, kind of thing, you know, as adults. And um, it's amazing what we have here. It, it's right here, and we're not. We don't even know about it a lot of the time. So our our, our own backyard, absolutely. Yeah. And I did the leadership 116. That was a Friday a month for seven or no, nine months. And then they had a big celebration at the end. And I got to really see the county. And it was real. it was so interesting that I said, I wonder if Somerset County's got a leadership program. And Chris failed and said, yeah, my wife went through it. So I went over and I couldn't get into it the following year. But in 18, I did the leadership Somerset program. And the counties are very different counties. Um, first of all, Somerset's much more integrated. Um, a lot of lots more ethnic restaurants yep. downtown. Yep. Um, they have a downtown with a liquor license, yep. and whatever. But um, Somerset is so much more bucolic and beautiful. And I sell real estate, so when somebody comes into Somerset County and they say, "This," I run an ad. It says. You know, you're driving west from Newark Airport and you hit sort of Wachung, then Warren, and you get off and you say, ah, 
I think I'm in heaven, you know, because I didn't know this existed. And I said, keep driving. It gets better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it I, just you're depends at- where you got to go in the morning. You're absolutely right. And people come out here and they see Hunterdon County and they're like, wow, they just didn't know like this existed in New Jersey. And that's where we came from. We were both in Middlesex County when I moved up here in 98. And we started looking around 95 and we had to decide what we wanted to do. Do we want to build? Do we want to be really rural? Because Maryland had to go back to Rutgers Medical School in Piscataway. So we didn't want to get too far off the main track. And uh, we've never looked back. I mean, she hated the commute when she was making it. She retired about five years ago. Um, But every time she got home, she said, I know why I'm doing it. You know, it's a wonderful, beautiful place to live. And Somerset County is a beautiful place to live. And people say, well, what's the difference between Somerset and Hunterdon? I say, well, Somerset's very nice. It's a a great county. But if you want to turn left at the cows and right at the horses, you're talking Hunterdon County. And it's um, you're going to probably get four times the yardage for the same investment you know instead of getting a, a half an acre you're going to get two acres three acres um some towns i, mean, I think tewksbury's up to 15 acres on building new properties and it's just not as elbow to elbow but they're both great places to live and i had a fellow tell me we were up on the hills of um it wasn't basking ridge but i would say it was at the edge of um bridgewater township but in a really high gated community and he was ethnic. And I said, you know, you're looking, why don't you come at least over to Tewksbury and take a look? And he says, no, you do not understand. He says, we are integrated. The kids have schools. We have stores. We have restaurants. We have wow. a society built here that we won't leave. Wow. I thought that was an, he, it was an eye-opening conversation. because so that's, that, that, that's a statement right there, right? Absolutely. They're integrated. And, and there's nothing wrong. There's that's nothing right. the beautiful. We, that's we, right. We could use more ethnic uh, integration here, and it'll happen over time. It's already happening if yes, you look at the yeah. 10-year-ago census versus the last census. Uh, but it's it, it, they're both beautiful places, and they both they have three times as many people as we do. And they have, uh, you know, but they don't have any dairy farms left, and we have nine left or something. So it's, you know. Joe, Joe I couldn't agree more. And I, and I think those towns regardless of size that figure this out are going to be more successful. Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. Well, Bob, it's been wonderful. Um, if somebody wanted to contact you to talk about the business, how would they get a hold of you? Is it on your site? Yeah, they can visit our site. There's an info one or just reach out. That's a very simple Bob at loneeaglebrewing.com is my email. Uh, send me a note and okay. uh, get and, a hold and- of me that way. And you're you're located in about the middle of the um, the Flemington. Stengel, yeah, Stengel, Stengel Road, right? right. We're I just would... off a couple of blocks off of Main Street, um, right across from where Liberty Village used to live, and uh, or exists. And uh, so we're 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 helping create Stengel, a very happening part of town. And so and there's a I lot did, of. I didn't realize where the word Lone, Lone Eagle came from. That was ah. that was the plane that Lindbergh flew. Well, he flew the spirit of St. Louis, but Lone, Charles Lindbergh, his code name was the Lone Eagle. The Lone Eagle, okay. Yes. So if you actually visit our tasting room, there's a couple, you're, you're a history person, right? Yeah. And so um, there's, there's uh, we have a couple of interesting um, um, posters or whatever that talk about Lindbergh um, and a little bit about his background and the spirit of St. Louis and his code name. And so there's another piece of history we just installed here at Lone Eagle, and that's from the Union Hotel, if you re- recall that. 
Right. Um, uh, so there's a piece of glass work that Diane worked with the, the folks up in Lebanon and they did an absolutely spectacular job. It's lit from the side and it has a UH. It's a clear piece of glass with uh, etching around the edges and a UH in the middle. That was Union Hotel. They used to see people come in and say, oh, that used to be behind the bar. And we actually got a, a square piece of stained glass that wow. was somewhere in the hotel that somebody just dropped off and says, we're going to throw it out. Do you want it? We're like, yes. So we, we've got a little bit of history here. And so we wanted just to recognize and, uh, that. Two blocks away, there's a lot of history. I mean, yes. you have not gone through an experience till Fred Brown locks you in a cell that the guy that <laughs> Lindbergh's kid was locked up in. It's, oh, really? It is amazing because they literally had, he was German. They never got to the bottom of the story. It's it's a long, convoluted story. But he was German, so they had a guy who spoke German in the next cell without him knowing it. So if he was talking to people, they could understand. It's a, a fascinating story. Wow. And it's, in the old, I, it's in the old court building. And Fred, I think around Halloween, they have tours. Do that. They show wow. you a little movie, wow. and they take you upstairs, and they lock the cell door, and you're locked in this. And my, my son was with me. He's an adult. And he said, my God, I've never been in a jail cell before <laughs> I know. Oh, wow. That's fun. No, I've not done that. I should. I should. I should get that on my list of things to do in Flemington, right in our backyard. There. You, once again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so hang on. I want to talk to you, but I'm going to stop the recording. Wow. I sure learned a lot today about the craft beer industry within New Jersey from Bob King. When visiting Lone Eagle Brewing the next time, be sure to ask for Bob King. He's usually around, and tell him you came because of this podcast. Thank you for listening in. One of the biggest decisions in your lifetime is buying or selling a house. Choosing a realtor with strong client communication, technology, and marketing skills will dramatically improve your chance of success. That's why Hunterdon and Somerset's residents rely on Joe Peters. Joe believes his clients deserve a smooth and seamless experience, not a roller coaster ride. As a Coldwell Banker Sales Associate with 20 years of experience, he's helped hundreds of people to achieve their goals and dreams, no matter where they were in the buying or selling process. Here's what his satisfied customers have to say. Joe guided us through the process of selling our home and made a complicated transaction appear seamless. Joe is diligent and responsive without being pushy and truly keeps his clients' best interest in mind. He would return calls within minutes if he didn't pick up. Joe accomplishes this by approaching every transaction from a business perspective. Initially, he tries to fully understand your goals and dreams and make them his own. Then he takes the mass amount of data that's available and distills it down to a few understandable action points. And finally, he controls the entire process through technology and marketing. The end result to you is a smooth, rewarding customer experience. Let Joe show you how to take his professional expertise and put it to work for you. To contact Joe, go to jpeters.com. You can call 908-238-0118 or text to 908-304-4660.